When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of The Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is your homegrown sports book, where local takes on an entirely different meaning, focusing on the teams, games, and players that matter to you. Sports Interaction is on the ground, on top of all the local trends, and offering prop bets that you'd never even imagined existed. From same-game parlays to a best-in-class casino featuring thousands of games and live 24-7 dealers, giving you that Vegas experience at any time of day. And now, introducing The Locker Room, the first of its kind in Canada, a live watch party for the biggest games of the week, providing in-game betting tips built directly into the site. Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook. Go to sportsinteraction.com sdpn to open an account and bet local. 19 plus, please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about gambling or the gambling of someone close to you, Please go to connexontario.ca. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? Powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Always remember to bet local. Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Big Money Siege, another big Monday for you. Uh, Nikita Zadorov and the reported trade request. We'll get to that today. Uh, we'll touch off on uh, why you're going to Sweden. It's uh, also Ask CJ Monday and uh, a few other topics. Maybe we'll get to Connor Bedard. Uh, the New York Rangers look like they're very interesting with Alexis Lafreniere. But we start off with the biggest story of the weekend. Jay Woodcroft out as Edmonton Oilers head coach. Chris Knobloch in as Edmonton Oilers head coach. Where do we start with this one? And also, why did the Oilers fire Jay Woodcroft after a win and instead of just doing it after he lost to San Jose, the worst team in the league? I'm sympathetic on that one. Um, I, I saw a lot of sort of commentary on this. I mean, they just hired someone who was working for another franchise's AHL team. And just the, the logistics of being in Seattle and Chris Knobloch coaching a team based in Hartford and what has to happen in terms of getting permission from, in this case, the Rangers who's who, you know, are, that's the affiliate of the Rangers, the Hartford team. Then you have to negotiate a contract with them and then you have to bring them in physically get them across the country or the, the continent. Um, I can understand why that took more than just, you know, 10 hours. So um, I think that's why it happened. I mean, clearly the decision, the wheels were in motion, um, but before the game in Seattle, I think to make that coaching change, but there, there was logistical hurdles there. You know, as for the decision itself, I mean, what a abject failure this season has been for the Oilers. I mean, I think to, to make a change like this this soon into the year is really an admission of, you know, things not working there for a team that a lot of us, including me on this show, uh, had pegged as a Stanley Cup contender. And, you know, what's funny is there's still enough season left is that, that could still manifest itself. That could still happen. But uh, th this this group stumbled badly out of the gates. You know, I think that there's real questions to be asked about 
who's in charge and, and what the direction is and are there too many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. I mean, I think, I think from a process standpoint, this looks clumsy, but with that, all that being said, you know, I know a lot of people that think extremely highly of Chris Knobloch and, and, and so, well, you, you, you hate that you're here on November 12th, November 13th, making a coaching change that soon into a season where, you know, people had branded you as one of the best teams in the league. You, you might not like how it all looks like I think optically it was not sort of a great view of, of the way things function in Edmonton. You might end up in the right place, you know, after all of that. And, you know, this is, this is a coach, you know, I've been hearing about Julian at least three or four years. Like he's one of the, you know, he's, he's a name to watch. He's one of the next ones. He's, you know, got a lot of promise about him and, and, you know, it might've took a little bit longer than, than I would have guessed for Chris, Chris Knobloch to get this kind of chance. But, um, you know, from everything I've heard, just an extremely impressive guy. And, and, you know, the Oilers, the urgency to win is pretty evident um, in terms of making a call like this. So we'll, we'll uh, sit back and watch what happens now, but uh, you know, very, very uh, interesting first month in Edmonton. Oh, that is for sure. Also, we, we, we would be, uh, we have to mention the obvious with Chris Knobloch, too. I'm sure his qualifications are great, and it seems like he's doing great work in Hartford. He also coached Connor McDavid with the Erie Otters uh, in junior. Like, that's that's a very obvious connection between the two men. Yep, and Connor Brown and Travis Dermott and a bunch of other former clients of Jeff Jackson when he was an agent, and now Jeff Jackson is the president of the Oilers. So, you know, I, I don't think it's very difficult or, or hard for us to connect a lot of dots about how this would, would come up, you know, for those that, that don't know much about Chris Knobloch, he won a WHL title as a head coach in Kootenai an OHL uh, title as a head coach in Erie. Uh, and then, you know, moved to, had a couple seasons as a flyers assistant under Dave Haxtell. And then uh, it's been these last five years uh, in the AHL with Hartford. So, you know, pretty long uh, run of coaching success, I would say. And, and, you know, he's still a young coach. He's in his early forties. So, you know, he's, he's uh, won a lot of hockey games. And as you mentioned, has that, that connection to, you know, McDavid specifically. And, you know, this is now the fifth head coach of the McDavid dry cycle era, if we'll, we'll call it that in Edmonton. And, you know, could be the, could be the last one. You know, I'm not predicting the end of that era, but you know, it's, it's, this, this is, this is one that they really hope to get right. You know, Jay Woodcroft for a long time. I mean, we should mention he won a ton of games as Oilers head coach you know, 600, 640 winning percentage, I think so, something like that. Um, for a long time, he was thought to be the answer, and then that quickly soured. And so, you know, I, I think what most of us look at this, you just wonder how much of the Oilers' issues to start the season are coaching-related. I mean, That was my next question. You know what I mean? Like, you have goalies that, that are not playing very well, and, and ultimately we, we saw Jack Campbell sent to the AHL with a $5 million contract. You have shooters that are shooting abysmally, um, and you know, some of these things, depending how you view them, we're probably going to regress to the mean or, or move, uh, to a point where, you know, probably the Oilers are going to score more. And, you know, you've, you've got an injured star and in Connor McDavid, clearly not at a hundred percent, you know, a lot of things were, have, have sort of come together to, to, to put the Oilers in the position they are with a three, nine and one start. But, you know, I, I just don't know how much of it's coaching. I suppose what this you know, really what this tells us though is how urgent the situation is for the organization and how badly they, they can't you know, risk this season 
you know, going in the wrong direction. And, you know, maybe that win with Jay Woodcroft behind the bench in Seattle will start something, right? I mean, a 4-1 win on the road. Uh, they get a lead in the first period and, and they really shut things down. Don't give up many shots in that game to the crack and, you know, win the way a team that's supposed to be dominant should win. And, you know, maybe that's, that is the start of something here and, and this, this coaching change will work, but you know, it all just, it, it does reek of a certain desperation, I guess. And, and as I say, I mean, this has been a failure at, at all levels of the Oilers organization to get to a point where you're making that decision. One more thing on the Oilers here. So we have Connor McDavid on a team where his agent has become the CEO of hockey operations. And now he mm -hmm. gets his former junior coach as the head coach. I'm not saying, I'm not saying he got that, but this is the situation that we're in with the team right now. But all that to say, like you have these pieces in place. It's, does it sort of not feel like this team Having guys that are very familiar to Connor McDavid, like there's a long play at this in order to appease him. And I guess maybe to go one step further, because I forget who made that comparison online, but it feels very like LeBron James-esque where he's the centerpiece on this team. You're doing everything you can to appease him. You get all these people around him, whether in the front office or on the court, who are around that he likes that are going to ensure, okay, he's going to stay in this franchise for a while. Like we saw that a lot in Cleveland as an example. Is, is that a fair comparison? Are we jumping the shark on this one? What do you make of the pieces in play that are surrounding McDavid that have those connections now? Well, I think it just makes sense, honestly. I mean, you have a singular talent like Connor McDavid. Um, you know, I'll give you, I was looking at the, there's a site called Adjusted Hockey. I was looking at it because it's the Hall of Fame induction weekend. And on Adjusted Hockey, they have basically, uh, the, the, the gentleman that's put that together, he, he ranks players all time. Connor McDavid is like 11th or 12th among all time forwards in terms of his hall of fame eligibility. Like if he never plays another game, the guy's not even 30. Um, you know, when you have a player like that, I, I don't think that we should read into it that he's hard to please or that he's demanded all this. Cause I, I don't, I don't think that that's the, the read that I have on the situation, but I, I do think if you have that, person i mean you're going to want to do everything you can to get the most out of them because that's that's probably the path for success for the team too right and for the organization and so you know i don't i don't think Connor mcdavid you know made this coaching change if you know what i'm saying like i think sometimes that sort of stuff does happen in the nba a little bit more um you know i think it's more from the the ceo's level there jeff jackson you know saw a situation where he thought a move need to be made and, and obviously knows Connor so well understands, you know, the relationship and would, would, you know, knows Chris Knobloch well too, because he, he has had so many clients over the years play for Knobloch, including McDavid. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's more coming from the, the top levels of the organization, but of course, I think it's about putting McDavid in the best position possible. That includes finding teammates that he likes. I mean, I know it hasn't worked out at all to start this year, but they did sign Connor Brown in the off season. Uh, who played in Erie uh, with Connor McDavid was coming off a knee injury and, and, you know, he's had a tough start to the year, but you know, you've seen that consistent pattern. And I, and I, I do think it, it's not a bad way to operate. I, I don't think it's causing the Oilers problems, you know, really to me, I just wonder if they're, if they've made good enough decisions down the roster um, to be, to warrant that, that contender status that we've all anointed them. And, you know, I, I'm going to, we're going to have to see now, I, I think, 
a coaching change does sometimes spark something in a team and clearly gets everyone's attention for, for a period of time here. And, um, you know, as I say, it's one of these weird ones where I, I actually can't criticize where they got to because I don't think it's a bad decision to have Chris Knobloch as their head coach, but it just it doesn't feel right the way the process played out to get there. Uh, actually, another thing we should get to as well is the fact that the press conference went the way that it did, where I, I'm sure you caught this too, but it felt kind of weird. I mean, maybe maybe I'm reading into it wrong, but it seemed as if Ken Holland was trying to make the point that he did discuss this with veterans and then Jeff Jackson made it seem as if there wasn't that consultation. Did, did you pick up on that? I, I saw the clip, you know, I, I think the way I viewed that is Ken Holland basically said that he, like he's talking to his players about like basically taking information in about what's going on, what's going wrong with the team. I would presume that would be, how's the coaching situation? You know, like I think, and, and, but then Jeff Jackson, I thought he was a sort of clarifying to say like Connor McDavid didn't, didn't fire Jay Woodcroft. Um, that, that was how I, I read it. But I mean, look, it's, it's a weird situation. Ken Holland's a GM on the final year of his contract, not likely to be back. I think, you know, he's, he's pretty close to retirement at this point, as we all expected when he signed a five-year deal to go to Edmonton, it was kind of viewed as his, his last hurrah as a GM. You've brought in Jeff Jackson just this last summer. Who's now, I guess on the, he's the boss on the hierarchy um, you know, it's, it's, I think that that's, there is a question in general of, of leadership. Do you know what I mean? About, mm -hmm. uh, who's really pulling, who, who's manning the controls here, who's got the most influence and who's making these types of decisions. So, um, I, I, I didn't, I think it's fair to wonder if everyone's on the same page entirely and maybe that kind of moment, in the press conference highlighted that fact. Okay, we'll have to keep an eye on that situation as we go. Uh, we're going to take a short sports interaction break, and then we're going to get to uh, Nikita Zadorov and the reported trade request on the other side. It's all part of the game. It's all part yeah, of the game. I just gotta go hard. Welcome to You Can Bet That. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. Here's a really fun one on sports interaction. Stanley Cup winning state or province. Uh, if you think uh, the Stanley Cup will be awarded to a state or province like Alberta or California, you can make that bet there. If you think it'll go to any other state that isn't Alberta, California, Florida, New York, Ontario, Pennsylvania, uh, your odds are 1.43 to 1. But if you're picking Alberta as an example, the odds are 12 to 1. California, 15 to 1. 23 to 1 if you're picking Pennsylvania. This is kind of a funny one, Siege. Yeah, I don't even know how to put my mind around it. Uh, you know, obviously some states and provinces have multiple teams. Um, you know, some of the teams at the top of the league aren't in that situation. I'm thinking Nevada for the, the Golden Knights, maybe Massachusetts for the Bruins. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I never think of the jurisdictions. What about Texas? You know, Dallas had a pretty good start. Texas isn't on that list, so they would count as the uh, any other state or province. Right. I mean, I guess they, you got to go. Yeah. You got to go New York, I guess. By the way, CJ, if you want to pick the state of New York, uh, odds are nine to one, and that includes the Islanders, the Rangers, and the Buffalo Sabers. Don't forget, the Buffalo Sabers are in the state of New York. Yeah, I think I think New York's ultimately where I land on this one. But as I say, it's it's meant, it's bending my brain on a Monday morning to try to think of which state or province the the cup's going to. I mean. 
I mean, um, you, I understandably you have other things on top of mind. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm final answer, New York. Okay, New York it is for CJ. Uh, sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all the best odds before game, in game, and the best props. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. Siege, it's time for us to get to another story that broke out this past weekend. Uh, Calgary Flames defenseman Nikita Zadorov uh, and a trade request that has gone out. Uh, good work on uh, your reporting uh, with regards to uh, Nikita Zadorov and the fact that uh, he wants out of Calgary, as has been reported. Uh, the Toronto game, where we uh, got to watch him in action, he blows up Tyler Bertuzzi. Who would have thought that that would have resulted into this weird domino effect where now we're having trade destination pieces. I have one up on The Athletic, by the way. You should check that out. And we're trying to figure out uh, when or if the Flames will move on from the 28-year-old Russian defenseman who was a pending UFA at season's end. What do you think of this situation? Well, it was a strange night, right? I mean, you had Dan Milstein, who, who's Nikita Zadorov's agent, sort of tweeting about that that hit and and you know making a comment about his ice time on Twitter and, and, you know, expressing some dissatisfaction there. Everyone's already made the connection. I mean, Brad Trilliving built the Calgary flames before coming to Toronto. Uh, you know, he's only been in Toronto a few months and the Leafs, you know, look like they need some defensemen. And so the fact that you have three pretty notable defensemen that are pending UFAs with the flames of which Sidorov is one, you know, I think we've all sort of connected that thought just, just intuitively and then, so you wonder, is something happening? Like he's, there, there's this trade request now, you know, there's, there's talk of teams like Toronto, Vancouver, maybe New Jersey being places that might um, appeal to Zadorov. I mean, I think my read on Zadorov himself is, is he just wants to put himself in the best position possible heading into free agency. I think he wants to play for a team that, that has high aspirations, obviously he wants to play up the lineup hence hence the ice time comment um, from Dan Milstein and, and really set himself up well to, to, to do well on July 1st. I, I don't think that that's unreasonable by any stretch. And, and, you know, I think stepping back even more just from this situation, Julian, it really is feeling like the, the, the flames are headed towards, you know, I, I don't think that there's a timeline to trade someone like Zadorov. I mean, there's a timeline. March 8th is a trade deadline. So that's, that, that's the timeline, but you know, I, I don't sense that this is a move that has to happen now. Uh, whether he wants it or not. I mean, I think that the, the organization is in a position where they've got to maximize uh, their assets and they, and they have to make a smart trade. And of course, if someone calls Craig Conroy this morning with a massive offer, I, I'm sure he'll take it. But, you know, more than likely to get the bidding going, you're, you're, you're probably going to see this stretch into the, the new year. Um, and, you know, but there's just starting to feel more and more like the, all those UFAs are, are likely headed out the door in Calgary, um, you know, which will be interesting. It's, it's a GM first time GM in his first year. And, and those are big organizational moves. I mean, if you end up trading Noah Hannafin, if you trade uh, Tanev, if you're trading Zadorov and, and maybe Elias Lindholm, I mean, those are, those are pretty established players. And, and I, I would suggest to you, we, I mean, we haven't quite got to the point where we got the trade board going yet at the athletic, but those those will be names at or near the top of the trade trade board if we started. I don't I don't think there's going to be a lot better players necessarily um, that are going to be out there from other teams as as we get towards the deadline. So um, it it does start. It's starting to feel even though it's still early in the year. It's starting to feel like Calgary is going to 
have to look at a change in direction and, and be shopping these guys. And the Zadorov piece might take some time to fall into place, but certainly pretty dramatic night in Toronto. And, and of course you and I are there together <laughs> randomly working a story. It was, it was kind of cool. It was a really cool experience to, to work that story. I'll also say that it really wouldn't be the worst thing if it gets to a point where the flames ultimately have to sell off assets and retool. And they have all these pending UFAs. There's an opportunity for, for them to get as many assets as they can, whether it's draft picks or young players who could be inserted into a lineup. I mean, we're seeing now over the last few days where they have Connor's area up and Martin Pospisil up. And I know they gave Dustin Wolf a chance. They got a loss, but he still looked fine. This team looks better with younger players in the lineup. It's something that the fans would welcome. I know that for sure. And as they prepare for a new building in two, three years, that just kind of there's a pathway for them to take and in a really funny way uh i mean i wasn't I, I think for for the flames maybe they were still at a point where they were trying to not go to that way but it feels as if like that's a door off trade request that might be the thing that kind of sets them over the edge in terms of kind of resetting things for this team i don't know if it's fair to call it a full scale rebuild if it gets to that point where they sell off those assets because they'll still have huberto in the fold marchman in the fold cadre in the fold unless something crazy happens where those assets are being offloaded and made available too but i i mean i i think we have that opportunity there to make your team better i don't see i i can understand why you go down that direction i think it makes sense right and sometimes you you create the circumstances sometimes the circumstances are pre presented to you right i mean th this is just kind of the way it's turned out and and you have a leadership change in the organization and you have all these, I mean, we talked about it over the summer. Like, did they sign all these guys? Like, how do you handle it? I just think it's it's pretty apparent with the start that this team, it's not going anywhere, right? I mean, as currently constructed, it's sort of an interesting one to me. And like, like I was at the game Friday, obviously. I'm looking at the lineup. Like, it it looks good on paper. Like, I can understand how, you know, I just I just think something is not quite working there. And 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 it's, you know, it's been... It's been a lot of years, I think, going a certain direction for the Flames. You know, they've been a competitive team for a number of years. Eventually, fans do get a little tired of it if they feel like that that the direction isn't. You either have to sell winning or sell hope, right? That's the that's the saying. And so, if they're not winning enough, and I don't really see a path in winning enough, you have to start selling the hope. You have to start turning things over and bringing young players in, and and you know, making shrewd trades. And and you know, I think that's the opportunity now for for Craig Conroy. And and so. You know, I don't know that this is going to be a team that falls right down to the bottom of the league next year. I, I'm not necessarily predicting that, but oh, they definitely can't I, do that with uh, the is is it next year or the year after the the first round pick is in a really weird state with the Montreal Canadiens, right? And so, but I, I I also think there is a path to to trade some of these veteran players away that you're probably not resigning that maybe don't want to resign at this point in Calgary and and you know start to freshen up the paint a little bit. Uh, before you're opening that new rink. So, you know, I, it just it just feels like that path is becoming more and more clear. Like, I wasn't sure, you know, if we were having this discussion a month ago, I wouldn't have necessarily felt like it was that defined. Um, but at this stage, you know, from what I'm hearing around the league is just, just an expectation that, that those players are all going to be moved as we get into the trading period. And, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see what those moves look like, what the Flames look like on the other side of it. And, as you mentioned, I do think it's there's there's an opportunity here to to really add some some valuable pieces to the organization moving forward. Absolutely, it's uh, again just like everything else. We're going to keep an eye out on that. 
Uh, some other quick news and notes uh, just to get to before we get to ask CJ here. Uh, I just want to briefly just mention the New York Rangers, unless there was something else you wanted to add. I, was, I wasn't sure if you were going to add something else really quickly here. I did want to just get to the Rangers, unless there was something else you wanted to add. My bad. I thought you were going to say something else. That was my mistake. No, I'm waiting <laughs> for you, man. You, you're in no. charge of... You, you, you I are know. the conductor I of know. this orchestra. I, I just... Oh, I... I, I, I I know, I know. It's just from you. I here's the thing. I'm just trying to look at visual cues, and then you just like literally were. It looked as if you were leading in, ready to say something, and I was like, "Oh, wait a minute, did I step on CJ?" <laughs> That's the thing you have to account for when you look up on when you when you do these shows virtually. Anyway, the New York Rangers. That's why we need you to move to Toronto so we can do more live shows, bud. Well, you know what? Uh, I'm trying to manifest this. I don't. I well, don't know how it happens, but I'm. Well, I'm you have you have a direct line to my bosses, essentially. So <laughs> yeah, but I don't want make, make staffing decisions. I mean, you might have a better chance of making those staffing decisions than I do. Fair enough. I'm just trying to manifest it. That's all I'm saying. If y'all want to make it happen, talk to the it right people. Fun. It was fun all being in the studio together last week. It was really fun being in the studio last week. It was really fun. I really enjoyed that day. That was really fun. I really it was loud. It. I mean, yeah. You, I mean, you were. Fired I loved. Up, bud. I love. I mean, shoot. I mean, you were pretty loud too. I mean, you couldn't stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a bad thing. That was a great thing. You were having the time of your life in the studio. Yes. Now that we've established that you're in the short king pod again. Yes. Um, Order has been restored to the universe. Yes, I am comfortable being 5'8 and not 5'9. I've learned to accept my height for what it is. So what do you want to talk about the Rangers? They're winning a lot of games, my man. Yeah, but Alexis Lafreniere is playing well. It took him like 46 games last year to score like six goals. It took him 14 this year. He got two goals yesterday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. He gets a sweet feet. I th- Here's the thing. I'm not saying he's this generational player. I'm not saying he's going to be this future Hall of Famer. But I think he's starting to beat those bust allegations that were being thrown on him after he was drafted first overall in 2020. What say you? Well, and that's I, – I, I hope so. Honestly, it, it's, it's easy to cheer for people. And I think we have to recognize that not only did, did – it's hard for any player to start a career. Like there's challenges in adjusting to life in the NHL. Doing it during the pandemic – um, I think it goes without saying was probably even more challenging. And that was the, the situation for Lafreniere and the others in his draft class. And so, yeah, I, I th- it's probably helpful to remind, remember this when you're thinking of your Slavkovsky and what's going to happen in Montreal, you know, Jack Hughes didn't light the world on fire right away. And, you know, prior to his injury this year it was looking like a player that could be in the heart trophy conversation. So, you know, it, it sometimes takes a bit of time. We should appreciate the, the the true generational players, of which I do believe Connor Bedard will will be thought of as one. We'll get um, to him. Who come in, who come into the league like he has, right? Has he got nine goals? I think at this recording in twelve games, something like that. Bedard's um, had himself. Bedard had himself a weekend, by the way. Yes. Well, and and he's, you know he scored in six straight. You just like that one goal. I love the camera angle on that goal. Oh my god! <laughs> in Florida, where he just roofs it from a crazy angle and and like, short side. I'm trying to figure out, do you know what was going on with the fans? Like, why did he, why did he kind of like stare down the fans after scoring that goal? Like, what did I thought happen? that was just something he just, I mean, you're, you're on the road. You're not going to have the fans on your side. I just thought that was just a natural thing to do. I don't think, I mean, unless I'm missing something. I was trying I don't to think see he, like, was Brooks Kapka there with a pylon or like, what was going on? Like, what? <laughs> I don't think he meant to do that particularly, unless I'm missing something. I think he was just, I think that's just something you do when you're in an opposing team's barn. Like, that's just what you do. Right. That's just what you do. 
anyway, yeah, but that was like, it was ice. Like, I love that. It was cool. And then, you know, Lafreniere, the, the Rangers are cooking right now. I know they really wanted to, to give opportunity to some of their younger players this year, you know, not, not maybe make an extra signing or, or whatever to, to, to block basically a roster spot from, from guys like him. And, and it's, it's paying off so far. So, um, you know, happy to see that. And, and I didn't know if, I guess, you know, we're a couple years in, like maybe the bus thing was going around. Um, I think it was too soon to, to be throwing that label out there. Pretty, pretty harsh thing to say too. Yeah, I can imagine that. Um, I want to get to another story here. Uh, I know, I know it's the hockey hall of fame weekend. Uh, a great number of hockey hall of famers are going in Henrik Lundqvist among them. Pierre Turgeon on that list, Mike Vernon for the Calgary Flames as well. Uh, Kathleen Wallet also part of that group too. Really great, great class going in. But you had a Don't really Ken Hitchcock, Ken Hitchcock as well. Uh, there's one story I want to bring up from you though. Uh, you wrote this; it dropped this morning. Yarmir Yager, the Hockey Hall of Fame, and an impasse with no end in sight. So we know there's a three-year wait period uh, for when players retire from professional hockey before they can enter the Hockey Hall of Fame. But Yarmir Yager's still playing, and you tried to make the point that, you know, like, when are we going to be able to let this guy in? Like, this is, this feels like too long of a wait for a player that we all know should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Love for you to talk about your story. Well, it's it's a very unique situation, right? Because Yarmir Yager is 51 years old. He is the second all-time leading scorer in NHL history, so I, I don't think and has accomplished all kinds of things in the broader world of international hockey. I don't think there's any debate whatsoever about his Hall of Fame credentials, but he also owns a team in Kladno and at home in the Czech Republic, and he's good for business, his own business. When he plays, he draws fans, and, and there's still evidence he can help his team. And, you know, he hasn't yet played this season, but it sounds like he's going to, based on... Um, everything I was able to learn in, in doing my reporting for that story, it sounds as though he's going to play. And so he's forever three years away from being able to enter the hall. And so, you know, one thing I wanted to, to do with the story is just explore it. Like, has the hall considered waiving that three-year eligibility period to, to put him in? The answer is pretty clearly no from, from what I could find out. Um, you know, this was a bit before your time, Julian, but 10 players in history have been put in without a three-year wait period uh the last was Wayne Gretzky in 1999 and at that point in time they decided no more no more you know waiving this period it's they they felt it was sort of creating almost like a two-tiered hall of fame like the guys who got put in right away and 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 then those who had to wait and I think that they also don't want players you know coming back where they could avoid it who are in the hall of fame already and so it sounds as though they're sticking pretty fervently to this three-year wait period. And I just don't get the sense at all. I mean, Yarmir Yager at this point is basically what I would call a part-time player. Uh, he's not playing. A, he hasn't played yet this year, but I, I just don't think he's going to stop playing anytime soon. And so who knows? Like, I, I, I don't mean to be morbid. I almost joked. Uh, I was talking to Landy McDonald, who's the chairman of the Hall of Fame. I was like, Legend. you might have to. You, you might end up having to induct him posthumously because I just think he's going to play till he dies. I mean, he's just going to play forever until, um, you know, and so, so here we are. And, and uh, I just find it a, a unique situation. It's not one certainly where I'm pointing any blame or anything, but it's, it's, it's just sort of a strange one that like Henrik Lundqvist is going in this weekend. Henrik yes. said, 
he talked about his rookie season as the, with the Rangers. He's like, you know, Yarmir Yager was dominating the league when I was 10 or 11, and then I got to play with him as a rookie. That was so cool. And Henrik Lundqvist is saying that at his Hockey Hall of Fame induction, and Yager can't yet be in the Hall of Fame. Like, it's just Because so... he's still technically playing somewhere. Right. Check this. He played his first game for Cladno when he, 35 years ago. Oh my like, God. 35 years later, he's still, again, he hasn't played yet, but he's practicing with the team. It looks as though he's going to play the team. Like, he's still playing with a pro team 35 years in hockey. Just, I mean, that's that's like a golfer's career, right? I mean, that, one of the cool things about the sport of golf is is players, you know, are increasingly even competitive till age 50. And, they, and you can really watch them play for, like, a generation or more of your life. Well, you know, unfortunately in hockey, you guys are retiring at 32 uh, more often than not. So... Anyway, he's he's a marvel. I've always been fascinated by Yager. I've been lucky enough to to chat with him a number of times over the years, and uh, I'm just not convinced we're ever going to see him in the Hall of Fame because I just think he's going to play and hopefully live forever. Yeah, well, <laughs> what's probably Yarmy Yager like gets to a hundred, he tries to find a way to like. Imagine him being like a hundred years old. Just like just put him on skates. Just let him touch the ice, just so you could just push the. <laughs> And push the three-year period. Well, Gordy Howe came back and played a professional game in the IHL, I think it was at the time, in the 90s. Because yeah. he was playing in a new decade, right? Yeah. I, I'm just saying, like, I would not be surprised at all if in five years we're, we're recording this show and we're still talking about Yarmir Yager not being in the hall. Like, I, it would not remotely surprise me if he just plays a handful of games every year. Because that's the other thing I learned, Julian. It's one game. So if he plays one game this season, it it... it delays when the clock can start on him coming in and so i just don't see i mean hopefully he stays healthy enough but i I think he's gonna keep playing games for the for the team i mean he owns the team he started the year on the bench too like he he wasn't the coach but he he just watched the games from the bench like no one's gonna tell him no either it's not like he needs someone to sign him right no like so i mean it's he's everything to that team and you know, he's a businessman. Ultimately, it, it makes sense for him to play. People want to come watch him play. So here we are. Yeah. Yarmir Yager. Also, uh, great job on that story. Uh, you can read that up at The Athletic uh, from CJ. Uh, one more thing before we get to Ask CJ. Uh, the Sweden Global Series uh, this week featuring the Red Wings, the Wild, the Leafs, and the Sens. Uh, I presume you are going to Sweden, CJ. I am. I'm mere hours from my flight right now. Ooh. So, I'm excited. Uh, it's it's yeah, it's going to be a lot. This is so they're having four teams there, and so it's four games in four days. And I think the beauty of that is that there's four teams there. The challenging part when you're trying to wrap your mind around a work assignment is there's four teams there. Like there's like there's going to be a lot going on. It's going to be very busy, um, but I think it's going to be super cool. I've been to Stockholm a few times. Been lucky enough to travel there before, but never, of course, have seen an NHL game there. So I'm gonna get the chance chance to go to four of them in a row and i think it'll be be really neat you know i'm looking forward to seeing all the the swedish stars from you know the last generation i think will be around you know with the red wings being there i think you'll see nicholas lidstrom henrik zetterberg i would imagine matt sandin will be making appearance with with the leafs there i don't know if daniel alfredson's going with ottawa because obviously he lives in canada but I, i would expect to see a lot of those guys and i have to admit i have a soft spot for those players that were kind of in the league either when I was still watching as a fan or, or were there maybe just in my early days as a reporter. And, and I think, I think there's going to be a lot of that, the kind of symbolism and, and, you know, obviously Sweden's a great hockey country. So I think it'll be a, a cool place to watch those games and, and 
they'll feel a little bit more elevated, I think, on the ground um, from what a, a regular season game typically feels like back home. It's obviously going to be a, a different and new experience that way. So when we talk to you on Thursday, you're going to be where in Sweden? Stockholm. Yeah. The, the no, whole... not just like Stockholm, but like you're going to be at your hotel, you're at the rink. Like what's, what's the move? I don't know. I don't know how we're going to schedule this. You're going to be back in Calgary. So you're going to be what? Rough math. Eight hour, eight time zones apart, man. I don't know. We're going to have to Jeez. figure out. We're going to have to figure out <laughs> something that makes sense there. But uh, it, it should be fun. You know, Steve Dangles going over as oh, his uh, producer, Drew, to do some content for the SDPN. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing them there. Maybe uh, I'm, I'm hoping producer Drew can can dial me in with a good setup so that That'd I don't have fun. to worry about that. I'm I'm, no. I'm better at content. I'm I'm lousy at tech, as you know. <laughs> you try your best. Um, we could delve into ask CJ here and ask a question that uh, a lot of uh, well, I'll ask you a lot of a qu- qu- question that a lot of Leafs fans are wondering about right now, especially since you know the global game the games are happening. They're going to Sweden. There is a Swedish player on the Toronto Maple Leafs who uh, is doing very well right now, who is <laughs> in need of a new contract. Uh, Binduin asks on behalf of Leafs Nation. Nylander extension when? TBD, man. I don't have a crystal ball. Um, I think they're still working at it. Nothing has changed as far as I can tell in terms of William Nylander's desire to be in Toronto, in terms of the organization wanting to hang on to him. I suppose one thing that's maybe changed (laughs) is he's had by far, in my eyes, the most dominant stretch of his NHL career where he's consistently looked possessed. I mean, it's, it's not just numbers. I mean, and his numbers are strong, but if you watch the way he's scoring those goals and the things he's done, I mean, he's, he's very, he's really exerted himself. And, and I think if you zoom out a little bit um, and the, and the Leafs playoff uh, disappointments are, are, you know, obviously top of mind for, for fans in the Leaf nation. I mean, William Nylander has been the one guy of this team that's consistently shown up in the playoffs or consistently been able to produce. I mean, I, I don't think it's as simple to say the other guys haven't shown up, but they've been, they've been shut down, you know, at times. And, you know, he's really been the exception to that rule. And so I think the organization has all kinds of faith in him, belief that, that he's a big game player. You know, I think he's rounded out his all around game more in the most recent years. And, and I think the biggest thing is we just haven't seen a lapse from him. I mean, he's, he's been known for being in and out, I would say over the years, you know, the, he might play five games that you just, almost don't realize he's on the ice in the past. I mean, there's been no evidence of that to start this year. And so he looks like a guy that can ask for a big contract. And, and so, you know, I just, I don't know if they're going to be able to bridge the gap or how they're going to navigate that, what other changes might come. Um, but I, I still am, I'm still of a mind that this is going to get done because I, I really do sense that everyone involved wants to continue on. It's sort of like Pasternak last year, right? That contract didn't get done until March, yeah. but all along, it just felt like it was going to get done. I didn't didn't sense that he was trying to set himself up for a big free agency, and, and the team obviously wasn't going to trade him in the middle of their historical regular season. I think the Leafs are in the same spot. I mean, we're not talking about them trading away William Nylander at any point this year. I don't think there's even a threat of that. So I, I just think that they're going to grind away at it and, and get it done. It has crossed my mind. This is not reporting. This is just that from a storyline standpoint, it would be cool if they ever announced it in Sweden. I don't know if that could ever happen. But it would be actually be kind of cool. Um, but, you know, alas, I think it's probably going to take a little bit more time than that. Okay. Next one from Joseph Zita. 
given the success from Toronto's fourth line against Vancouver, do you think there is still an everyday spot for Ryan Reeves on this team? Or is he more of a player who will get in the lineup every once in a while? I would imagine there's teams who would want him, but maybe not with that term. Yeah, I don't think he's an everyday player. I mean, look, at he's, he's was scratched on Saturday for that game. Uh, you saw Bobby McMahon come up from the AHL. You know, the line produced a couple goals, which is one thing that hasn't happened on a fourth line featuring Ryan Reeves. You know, a lot has gone wrong for Reeves early in the year. He's minus 11 through 14 games. I mean, um, plus minus is, is a flawed stat, but I think that that's a reflection of, a fair reflection of what's been happening on the ice when Reeves is out there. And so, you know, I don't, I don't know what the Leafs will do with him necessarily, but I, I just, it's hard, it's hard for me to imagine he's playing every game from here on in, especially after seeing, you know, what a younger member of the organization can do. Uh, you know, there's a reason he was brought to Toronto by Brad Tree Living. Really, you know, a lot of, I think the things that they were looking for from Ryan Reeves are a little bit intangible uh, in terms of some of the locker room things and, and off ice. And, and obviously, whether he's playing or not every day, he can still impact those areas. So, you know, at this stage, I, w- I would, my, my gut tells me that uh, he's not an everyday player for them. But, you know, that being said, I'm not saying they're, they're totally casting him aside just yet either. Uh, sorry for all these questions being so Leafs heavy. Uh, maybe it's because yeah, of the Nylander gifts. It just, I don't know. Leafs just corner. Yeah, it just kind of turned into that. Uh, there's this really interesting one. I, I genuinely have no idea about this one, or maybe I forgot. Uh, this is from Rytech Yes. I repeat my question from a few weeks ago. I guess they asked this question a couple weeks ago, and we never got to it. A few years ago, CJ mentioned a huge potential Leafs trade, and he'd only talk about it after some time had passed. Has time passed? What are they talking <laughs> about here? So I remember that. That was on the SDP. Mm-hmm. And you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but I think sometimes a little mystery isn't the worst thing. I mean, so I'm not going to tell you what that that potential trade was. I think because here's the thing. It's taken on a bit of a life of its own. I made like an offhand comment. And I and I if I remember correctly, I gave some hints on like where the player played. And then like a lot of these fanatical SDP listeners like went around and tried to narrow it down. And it, it's almost like the Jeff Carter middle name. I mean, I, I just think sometimes a little bit of a little bit of mystery is is fun. And so the player's still in the league. And maybe when the player is no longer in the league, I will discuss it more. Why do I want to know this more than the Jeff Carter middle name thing? I don't this like this is the funny part, and I and I mean this honestly. I was not trying to and back in the moment, I wasn't trying to be a tease or anything. Yeah. I just didn't want to say, you know, like I'm not gonna you know, I know I obviously know things that I can't always say on the pod, essentially, for a variety of reasons. Maybe because of who told me and I can't protect that person or what have you. And so like I wasn't being a tease, but I just mentioned that the, the, the Leafs might look at what would be at that time would have been considered a pretty big move. And it went like wildfire. And evidently it's like a couple of years later. That's probably three years ago anyway. And and people are still remembering it. So if goodness. the trade were to happen today, I will say, well, it wouldn't, it would not be as big a deal if it happened today. Okay. And it wasn't like a mega, just, I, I should okay. be clear. It wasn't like a mega blockbuster or anything. Okay. It was just, it was for a pretty high quality player. But it wasn't like we're not talking about some alternate history where it was like martyr for McDavid or something. You know what I mean? Like it's not no. that. It's um, just like a player who would have helped, like, 
like yes. i have a question is if this player was on the team today would we refer to the leafs as the core five instead of the core four no oh, okay that's all right that's almost a disappointing part of it is that i feel like when i tell the trade you're gonna go like oh Oh, it's just I spent this. all this time, like, like, <laughs> like. That's why I, I almost feel like it'll be disappointing to the the listeners. So, part of me. Then why don't you those... just say it now? Just get it out the way. No way, no chance. Okay. Because cool. I don't need to start a shitstorm, right? It would start a mini okay. shitstorm. All right. Like, there's all just right. N- there's no reason for it now. It, it, it's a different GM. I think there's a different GM for the team this player plays on. You know, since that time, like it's it it's just it's part of the past, and it never happened. All right. Well, we could just leave it there. It's just as a tease, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> I'm not trying to be a tease. I just there's no reason to start trouble. Okay. Well, we started enough trouble over the weekend. Let's just let's just try to. Yeah, I can tell by your voice, huh? You got yourself uh, you got yourself some fun the last few days, huh? Couple hockey hall of fame parties. Enjoy it. It was fun. Yeah. It's, I, I bet. I bet friends. you had fun. I bet old you friends, did. Old faces, lots of hockey folks. It was good. And now I get to go to Sweden. So I'm, uh, it's good to be me. A good time to be me right now, man. I was about to say, throw in a, throw in a lozenge in your uh, suitcase while you get a chance. Okay, buddy? I'm all good. Don't you worry. All right. I'm just checking. You know I care about you, Siege. I know. I know. All right. Uh, Thursday, we'll be back. Uh, we'll figure out scheduling. We'll figure out where in Sweden CJ will be. Uh, subscribe to the podcast subscribe to the youtube channel and uh enjoy uh our content and also leave us a rating if you can leave us a five star stunner rating if you leave us four stars maybe you're a hater maybe you're not but five stars we would love a five star rating if you can give it to us whether you're on spotify or wherever else you can do ratings for us on podcast for cj i'm julian so long the chris johnson show Powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Always remember to bet local. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK and McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.